Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is The Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. I hope you enjoy. I'm actually curious, because um, you mentioned specifically what you're, you'll be working on here, to, or what you're working on now at Expedia. It seemed to me um, that this is maybe a little bit different than what people might think of in the product space, right? Like some of those people think, oh, some customer facing something, right? Um, or like the, the flagship something. But it, it sounds like what you're describing, there's, there's obviously some aspects that touch maybe what customers are using, but a lot of it also seem like internal apps to some extent. And I don't think of um, product in that way all that often. I guess it's, I'm kind of curious um, what excited you about that? And then also, where did you gain that expertise from? Because it sounds like that's a pretty you know, specific area um, that that is definitely a, a difficult role for them to fill, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, the product management, the the one that really on the stage and, and working with the customers and, you know, going talk to the end user, mm-hmm. in the case of Expedia is like the travelers or people who book hotels, book cars and book vacation on Expedia. They are application level product managers and it's a set of you know apps on on mobile iOS Android web etc and all those apps are running on a back end and all those back ends of stack are running on a set of infrastructure devops infrastructure and set of security provisions and policy etc so the position i'm in is more like a platform product management, Mm. my customer will be the product developers or the production engineers of other apps. So really the experience that we are providing at our team is the developer experience instead of a customer experience. So it's like a UI UX for the user experience and the user interface we we give developer interface and you know developer experience that they are other teams of software engineers and the production engineers that they are working on a specific line of business app or web or API etc and i think i think trying different domains and different things really gave me this understanding of how a platform needs to be developed to be able to give a best experience for the developers on the app level, on the API level, and, you know, different tiers. Like tier ones are the one dealing with the customers and they have live traffic coming in. Then there's internal apps and then there's other API hooks and plugs in and everything. All of those needs to run on, you know, a set of servers or a cloud uh, public cloud. And when I start working with, you know, software developers, I always try to get better understanding of what is the underlying infrastructure here? Mm. Are we on premises or are we on cloud? And if it's on the cloud, what cloud are we using or what product services are we using there? So with curiosity, it brought more understanding for me from the infrastructure and how the backend works. And then I try to also get 
you know, different certificate and different training in those areas. Mm -hmm. It was at the time that I never knew it's going to be able uh, to help me. So, you know, a couple of years back, I tried to go through extensive amount of like AWS training, mm -hmm. not having a path forward and really couldn't answer that question. Why am I taking AWS training or what value do I provide for my team or for my previous employer to have like a solution architecture understanding or knowledge? But then looking back for, you know, when a Steve Jobs says you can only connect the dots looking back for that really set me apart with other candidate or other team that I had a set of understanding or set of a skill in the infrastructure, Kubernetes, as well as AWS and all of those stuff, which, you know, I gained those like a couple of years back without knowing why am I doing it or being able to articulate. I thought it's cool. I thought it's valuable to have those lessons. And I knew at some point it's going to help me. And, you know, a couple of years after that, it really bring the value for me. So that's another advice I can give to maybe junior engineers or people in early career that really don't worry about what is the value, what is the immediate value to a set of a skill that you want to learn. It's like, if it sounds interesting and you see, you know, a massive movement, a market movement toward that, really go learn that. If it's a new framework or if it's a new language coming out, go spend some time and, and invest it without having an idea that where this really plugs in because it might not plug in immediately in your current role but a couple years back you gain enough exper experience and skills that might come handy yeah well in the the curiosity and like excitement about it is going to make you actually learn more right than if you're trying to force yourself to learn something that you're not all that interested in just because you know to look good on a resume Right. Yeah, it it definitely is like that, the curiosity. And then if you can, you know, spend hours digging to some problems or something to just learn it, that's really where uh, the depth of knowledge really happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's good for the resume that you can, you know, patch up your resume with different certificates or trainings or areas that you're interested in, but also if it's a genuine learning and coming from the excitement and curiosity, it's really, really helpful. And the retention on those are really, really high. When yeah. you're not after, you know, studying for exam or, or doing something for the sake of resume, the retention and the learning on those are really, really high. So I think, I think it's the most important to get deep on something and then to spend hours on it and not being worried about how does it plug in or how does it play out for me right now? Because yeah. later it, it it will play its role. Can you share a little bit about how you feel you do in interviews? Do you feel like you're really good at interviewing? Do you feel like you're poor somewhere in the middle? And maybe you can talk about, um, you know, this most recent job search, but even before when you were maybe more in, in like technical interviews as well. I, I think I'm okay at interviews. I, I really try to be over-prepared for an interview and sometimes it's really good sometimes is really bad i have horrible interview experience like anybody else i have 
excellent experience with the interviewer. I, I think, you know, coming out of the interview, I said, yeah, I killed it. I nailed it. But then not getting a job. And then sometimes I've done okay. But then, you know, we move forward and I got the job. So overall, I think I'm like, okay, towards good. I really try to build that connection with the interviewer and understand what is their problem, what is their day-to-day situation that they are dealing with, and how I can I help. So really try to focus on a couple of things. If I can make the connection that the interviewer likes me, if I can articulate my experience and skills and my background, stories, etc., resume type thing, articulate that and transfer that through the interview time because it's limited. You can't talk about all of your experience at all of your jobs. As you grow in your career, you might have to select a couple of things here and there. So if the interviewer likes me, if I can bring those background and skills, and if I can make their job by hiring me, if I can make their job and day-to-day easier. So is there anything I can take off their place and take the responsibility on it and deliver excellence on it. So I try to articulate that. I think these three always win for me, creating that connection so they like me. It's happening very quickly, but then you can evolve it through the course of interview if it's half an hour, 45 minutes. And then how you can present your yourself, your background and skills in that short amount of time. And if there is something that you can take off their place, make their job easier, make their you know day-to-day more fun and more collaboration and the smoother, there is nobody on earth that would say no to these three things. I like that. I, I think that point of articulating your background and, and almost being selective of what you bring up, right? Especially as your career grows, I think that's something that's that's not thought a lot about, but it's so critical in interviews. There's, it's almost an art of working in specific things you know it needs to be brought up if someone doesn't ask the question, right? Because sometimes people think, oh, it's on my resume, they'll see it. But as someone, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people, I, you know, sometimes you look at the resume and sometimes you don't, and you, you can't rely on hoping that the interviewer knows this thing about you. If you know it's important for the job to find some way to bring it up, right? And sometimes it feels a little forced, um, but but often you can find organic ways to go, oh, that thing you mentioned is kind of similar to what I, I did in this previous role. And you can give them some example, right? And then that's kind of a check mark in their head of, oh, I know that um, this person knows how to do X, right? Which is much better than, you know, just hoping that it's on the resume and they see it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, in the interview process, you should not assume that the other parts know your background or know your resume or like you said, they might not even have time to open your profile or open your resume and, and look at it, let alone understanding what you did. So you have to look at it from selling yourself and selling your background and selling your skills and ability to come join the team and being able to make their job easier, their day-to-day is smoother and more fun. It's like a sales pitch but you have to bring that sense of organic conversation and natural back and forth conversation, but you can build your intro or like about you, tell me about yourself or your elevator pitch with the select experience that you want to point out. And if you make that custom to that person, how did you make a life of your previous engineer manager easier? 
Mm. And if you can bring that to your elevator pitch, it's really important. And then you immediately click. And that, you know, first question, the first five minutes of the interview that like, tell me about yourself. Okay, walk me through your background and stuff. Often give the interviewer a set of keywords or clues to to go for the rest of interview. And they use those type of keywords or, you know, information that you use in your elevator pitch. Yeah. Usually the interviews are not a structure. They are like semi-structure or usually no structure at all. So as an interviewee, as a person that is uh, asking for the job, the job seeker, you can bring some structure to the interview by giving the relevant information in your elevator pitch. And then keep it human, keep it conversational and keep it fun in the beginning. So you can click and you can create that sense that, okay, I like this candidate better than the other one because I connect and bring the biases into in your advantage instead of they go in another route because they click better with someone someone else. Yeah, you've mentioned two things now that I think sometimes people feel like, oh, I sh- you know, I shouldn't pre-prepare these things or it's going to feel rehearsed. But I think everyone should have some type of elevator pitch, right? At least an idea of, okay, what are my strengths and what is my background? Important things that I should list if someone is deciding if they want to hire me or not, right? Like that's that's one critical thing that you're probably going to get asked in almost every interview. And then the other thing you mentioned earlier is tell me about some time where something went wrong or you had some disagreement with a coworker or, or XYZ didn't work, right? I think that's a thing that's regularly asked, especially if you go into later stage interviews in almost every interview process and having some idea of, okay, I know I need to tell a story that that shows that, you know, something went wrong, acknowledge that there was some fault on both sides, including myself, right? And then talk about how we grew from it, how the team got better, how, how something good happened afterwards, right? And like yeah. being able to at least have that rough outline um, and then some, something to talk about saves you from being in a spot where you go, oh yeah, let me tell you about this really bad thing that happened. And then you kind of put all the blame on someone else. And at the end you go, yeah, but we got through it. You know, and that doesn't really yeah. tell the interviewer much, right? <laughs> Or it tells them a bad thing, right? That you you aren't able to talk about those experiences and learn from them, right? Yeah, 100%. I I couldn't agree more. Those two questions comes at every interview. And I've done, you know, I've worked for 12 years worth of, you know, full-time experience at different companies and interview like 200, 300 different interviews for variety of job title and responsibility. And every time I try to write down my elevator pitch, that about me, and rehearse it, because, uh, you know, interview is a stressful situation, both for the interviewer and the job seeker, the candidate. And if you can come prepared and eliminate the, the stress for yourself, you actually eliminate the stress for the other person and give them content, give them information mm-hmm. to work with. So I've done two, 300 interviews. And every time I try to write down my elevator pitch, practice it, and also have notes in front of me. What is what is the talking point I'm going to talk with this person? And, you know, I'm doing the interview right now. It's casual with you. And I still have a talking point in front of me, mm-hmm. you know, the list of questions I have to answer, list of 
content that I want to touch base on, the things that I want to bring up to to this interview. And every time to it's it brought me some value and then show showcase that it can be done better and better. But preparing that questions and you know have the list of notes and the talking point in front of you is really important. Practicing those elevator pitch is really important too. Mm. But for every final round that I've been through, I have maybe a list of 50 to 100 questions that I've uh, you know answered previously or I'm constantly working on those questions to really showcase my experience. The most common ones are those negative ones. Tell me about yeah. the time that you miss a deadline or something went wrong and then really put them into a structure that how do I give enough information in the situation and the action and the result and being able to manage those with the time and the type of the interview that you're talking to different people and different people are focusing on different areas of your background, your capability, your culture fit, et cetera, et cetera. There is an enormous amount of value in preparing for your interviews and writing down your questions and writing down your answers and all of those stuff. Nobody can go to interview, you know, naturally unprepared. I'm going to go and talk about the situation. There is not enough retention or memory that you can have when you have 10 years of experience and they can ask about any of the situation at yeah. the, any of the jobs. Usually they ask about the most recent one, but even in the most recent one, it's good to keep a records of your talking points and the different situation and your answers. Yeah. And then I think you touched on this a little bit taking the questions that, that people ask you, right. And, and writing those down. So, you know, okay, great. I see I'm regularly getting asked this type of question. I should have some type of answer for it. Right. And from a programming side of things, like every question I've ever been asked in an interview setting, I'll write that down and save it. And if I can solve it in the moment, great. I'll probably move on. If I can't solve it, I better go learn how to solve it because there's a high likelihood I'll run into a similar type of question, if not the exact same question at some point in the future, right? So at least having some knowledge of, okay, I get I get how to answer this um, is very helpful. And I think just, I don't know, makes, makes interviewing also feel like you're learning every time and like getting a little bit better instead of just, well, I hope this goes okay, right? And then and, and kind of um, just playing it by ear, right? Yeah, if if somebody wants to get great at interviewing, the only way is to start doing interviews. And every interview is a learning opportunity. Like you said, there's question that I don't have answer to them or I don't have a specific situation about it. But then immediately after the interview, I write those down. You know, I have a document and a system to gather all of those then I start thinking about the situation that would be a good showcase to that question. So if it's a behavioral, I start thinking about my experience and what is the match for that? And then how can I bring a twist to the answer? I can put a story behind that answer and give enough context about the situation I was in and the situation that the coworker was in and the product that we wanted to develop and then what was the result. So mm -hmm. it's like creating those storyline behind your answers and then put my 
experience as a context, as a nugget into that answer. So a lot of times, you know, the question, one or two question is always new when you go to a, another interview and you can add those to your dictionary. You can add those to yeah. your list of questions. And then next time you're prepared for those, for those type of questions. Obviously we're talking about things you can do to get better at interviewing, but do you have any specific tips that maybe folks who are going into product management interviews or, or technical interviews um, that, that they should keep front of mind? Yeah, I think, I think the job of a product manager and the software engineer is complex by the nature, no matter the size of the organization, the, uh, you know, the company that you're going to, it's by nature an engineering and complex set of things that are moving fast and keep getting changed. So really advice for a product manager or engineers for me is to, to think in a framework to be able to break down the complex set of requirements, break mm-hmm. down the complex solution that you're trying to uh, present. It's like, it takes a genius to make a complex thing and be able to present it simple. Everyone can make a complex thing even more complex and harder to understand. So it's really important to have that framework in mind. How can you break something down to easy to digest, easy to understand concept? The easier that you can talk in an interview, Usually that was the case for me that the interview goes smoother and they can understand. It's already by nature very complex. You don't have to make it this rocket science, nuclear program, and even harder complexity, level of complexity to it. So break it down and then make it easy to understand. Showing a level of ownership, even before you're part of the team is really important. And then you can... You can give them nuggets or you can give them a context. What is the part What is the part in this product development that you want me to be the owner? With this type of question, you immediately trigger that into the interviewer that, okay, this person is uh, have that sense of ownership and responsibility. Instead of just putting your hands in the air and say, it's not my you know, responsibility and I don't own it. And it's it's really important for me to show that sense of ownership as a candidate, as well as the time that I interview people, I want to see, do they have that sense of ownership? Another thing is, do they have maybe empathy, a deep level of empathy for the customers? Do they understand the customers or do they understand the needs of the customer? And do they have empathy for the customer? And the customer of different positions or different different people. So do they understand the persona of the customers and have deep empathy for them? That's important. And then another thing I think I wrap it up with this is that do they have a mindset for the growth? Do they think bigger? And are they ready for the, you know, growth at a scale and scaling up the organization, the team or the product and the software. And if they have, 
and they have that empathy and excitement for the customers, they are, you know, good addition to my team. And when I interview, I want to showcase that I always think bigger and I have a appetite for the growth and how I think about this scaling up either the organization or the product or the software stack. Yeah. I like it, especially if you're you're going to work for a startup or interviewing with a startup, thinking about, you know, not just what does it look like now, what's it going to look like two, three, four years from now, because that's what certainly the the leadership team is thinking about or, or hopefully thinking about, right? Uh, do you have any different questions or, or sorry, different advice or additional advice for folks who are early career, like maybe this is their first job or their their second job um, out of school? Yeah, I think. First job, second job out of school, they have to be in the sponge mode that mm. they learn different things from different people. So almost everyone, when you interview with different company, or if you join your first job or second job, they've been around longer than you. They've been in the organization longer than you, and they have career uh, longer than you. So almost always they have something to teach you and then if you go to that sponge mode and observe observability increase your observability to just learn those really help uh, those folks to set themselves apart and then grow in their career so that's really important and then i think they have to invest in themselves and themselves by taking courses, you know, getting coaches, uh, getting different connection with diff- different people and have, you know, conversation over a coffee or dinner, be able to uh, invest in, in themselves, both from the time perspective, building the connection and building the network, as well as spending money on themselves. So mm. if you spend 200, 300 on a course, you can afford it and you can spend time on it and learn it. That really sets you apart by far. You know, there's a there's a candidate pool that you're looking at. So if you're trying to hire a junior software developers or a junior product manager, associate folks, and the interviewer really looked at how much this person is investing in themselves by... Mm having a coach, creating a connection and a network, and then spending themselves in terms of certificate, training, and they're available to the people online and, you know, for a fairly inexpensive amount. But really taking that, uh, it, it sets you apart for for success and then from the other candidate, for sure. Sure. I think that the growth mindset is so important at that stage in their career, right? Because you're not being hired for your skill set on day one, right? You're being hired for the skill set you'll have six months in, a year in plus, right? Like that's what they're really looking for. They is are, there anything are... else um, that, that we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring up um, before we, we come to a close? No, I think I think it's we covered a lot of a lot of different topics. I really enjoyed the conversation. I don't have any question for you. Uh, was there was there maybe a last last topic or something that you wanted to touch base we didn't get chance to? 
Yes. Uh, you mentioned earlier, maybe some interviews that didn't go so well. So I always ask folks this, um, and, and, and I should clarify it's, it's so people who are earlier in their career, um, can see, okay, well, if Bajan went through terrible interviews that, that went so poorly and he's a very successful product manager, right. Um, you know, maybe, if I'm going through terrible interviews, everything will be okay too. So do you have any interviewing horror stories that you're willing to share or talk oh about God. from the past? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was interviewing for, uh, for a software engineer at Amazon mm -hmm. and somehow I got passed through, uh, you know, the recruiter and immediately after recruiter at that time, they were doing, technical interview. And like I said, in the beginning of our conversation, I wasn't such a great stellar developers, but I got to interview and, you know, the interviewer at the beginning of the interview wanted to see the boundary of my knowledge in a, in a certain, you know, stack. So a really, really complex and hard question to ask, he has started with that. And so I lost all of my you know, confidence and all of my preparation and stuff. So couldn't, couldn't answer. So I mumble and then answer a couple of irrelevant things to that question. And then, so obviously he brought the level of the complexity or the, the, the skills uh, for the next question a little bit lower. And I couldn't answer that question either. And so I was getting it easier and easier and easier question every time. You know, I have like four or five questions that I couldn't answer because I lost it totally in the first question. And there was no coming back from that hard question. <laughs> At the last question, it was like almost, can you write down an array? <laughs> can you reverse the array? Can you reverse this list or array? I couldn't even answer to that question. <laughs> I knew the syntax. I knew that the way to do it, it was a easy programming language, but I was really bringing the interviewer to the bottom of the list, <laughs> the easiest <laughs> list. And that uh, I couldn't still answer those, those type of questions question very very easy syntax question at the end it's say man you're you're applying for software engineer at amazon you don't know how to reverse a list i was like i i i thought i knew but <laughs> i i don't really right now so it was like totally horrible you know technical interview it's, it doesn't matter all of those, you know, horror stories and stuff. You just need one yes. So yeah. I always try to tell different people that if I tell you your first success event is five no or six no from now, don't you want to go through those no's faster? So like, let's say you get your yes at the sixth attempt or the seventh attempt. Don't you want to go through those first no's faster? So it's really important to just not give up and go through those, you know, bad experience at the interview because eventually you get better and you get to that yes. 
And the first yes would be the starting point for the many yes. But that was one of my horrible stories of <laughs> technical interview. Yeah, well, I, I, I've told this story many times before, but I could relate. My first technical ever, I got asked FizzBuzz and I forgot how to write a function. I, I literally, my hands were like, I can't type out how to even write a function right and uh we got through it but it was a uh, it was you know i i i hear you <laughs> so there is yeah. hope right yeah there's always hope yeah for sure great well thanks so much um it's been a blast anything else you you want to mention or plug no i i enjoyed the conversation again thank you for having me on the show i really enjoyed you know chatting with you great well thanks so much of course. Thank you for watching the technical interview portion of the professional technical interviewee. If you want to tackle this interview question, you can find it at github.com slash professional technical interviewee. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.